The stories of some of the world's greatest women unfold here. I am Annette Comer, your host, and each week, the untold secrets of success, strength, and boldness of today's powerful women are revealed. This woman was born in the segregated South to working parents. The family didn't have lots of extra money, but they were rich with love. And as she grew into a young woman, she was taught to always be her best and that nothing was impossible. Being a Christian defined her view of the world and how it was her responsibility to find ways to give back. A music scholarship after high school led her in one direction, but psychology caught her interest. With an advanced degree in psychology, she eventually settled into a career at the U.S. Department of Energy. Here she excelled into a management position in security, responsible for over 300 facilities in 31 states. Today, she is a community activist, continuing to walk her path to greatness. It is my pleasure to introduce you to Pauline Douglas. Hi, Pauline. Thank you for joining me today. Annette, thank you so much. It's great to be with you. And we're going to have a lot of fun together today. So let's jump right in because we have limited time and there's so much I want to explore with you. So there weren't many women in senior roles within the U.S. Department of Energy. In spite of this, did you find the playing field of business the same for you as for the men around you? So starting off, I had just an excellent mentor all the way up the management chain, and they wanted to see me do my best. So it was easy to be comfortable and ask questions and be the professional that I needed to be and grow into. As I moved up, however, as you say, there weren't as many women in this business. So yes, it wasn't equal playing field as far as men and women. And I'm going to stay in this for a second, Pauline, because this is something I want to see if you saw the same thing I saw. So as I rose through the corporate ranks, the guys all wanted to be good friends with me. They were supportive. But the higher I got into the organization and the more influential I became, they saw me as competitive, as a competitor in some fashion. And their whole behavior started to change. And that was really confusing to me. Did you feel some of that as well? At times, yes. Not so much within my own inner circle, but definitely in the broader sense, covering a lot of different facilities, different states even other organizations. It was very interesting to see that. I think it's really important knowing that, that we, you and me, and other women listening to this that have been in senior roles, that we show up as role models for women and support these women as they raise through the ranks because it gets lonelier as you reach toward the top. It very much does. Very, very much does. So it is important to have that sense of community and to understand which lane someone is coming from. Because as you say, those closer to you may truly be friends and want to see the best in you professionally. And then there's others that don't quite take you as serious. So I'm going to step back to wind back the uh, clock of time and go back to when you were a very young woman. Because as a young child, you told me that your mother would say to you, you will always be black and female and that it's up to others to figure out how to deal with that. So how did this advice impact you as you navigated the workforce as a black female? It was a little voice always in the back of my head, because many times when you're questioned about something or not taken as seriously, 
you have to do that internal thinking. And it's like, did I miss the point? Is it me? And then I'd realize a lot of times, no, it's not me. It's they're having to adjust and calibrate and deal with what they are faced with. And their own biases. Yes, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. So I think that's brilliant what you just said. And it was brilliant advice from your mom because it's very easy for us as women to turn the lens inward and beat ourselves up because we think something's wrong with us. I don't know if that's innate sometimes. I don't know if it's because of what we probably have been exposed to throughout high school and college and our first careers. But again, my parents always told me I could be whatever I wanted to be. But you still have that inner doubt sometimes. So it's important to be able to hear that voice and know that you're worthy. You need to be heard. And for people to listen to what you have to say. And be relentless of that. So later in your career, you started to question the impact of others' attitudes toward race and gender on how it was impacting you. And you told me that it became a point of navigation for you. What did you mean by that? And what did that navigation look like? Well, many times, and particularly growing up in the South, you know that there are sometimes those that may say things and they don't mean it to intentionally harm or be a negative comment. But then there are those that use it to be negative or to demean or to give you your space and your place. So it's a lot of, again, the internal that you have to deal with to decide where that person's coming from. Is it arrogance or ignorance? Is it the putting you in your place or is it just being a typical Southern person or maybe even someone from the North, someone from someplace else? But because you grow up in the South, you're used to some language, some wording, some things that happen that you kind of will take a you let it roll off your shoulder. But then when you're in a professional setting, it's like, no, that's not probably the best thing to have happen. So you've given two different extremes there. The ignorance of someone just being ignorant about what they're saying and what it actually, how it's coming across. And then you've got someone that's being arrogant. How do you deal with those two situations? How did you change your behavior in each one of those situations? Well, in that Three to four seconds that you're analyzing what someone has said, I have to try to look at the broader picture and maybe where they're coming from. You know, was it, are we in a formal meeting setting? Are they just coming in from something else? And you don't know where they may be and what may have just occurred with them. So I tend to try to give my first response grace and be a little more relaxed with my answer and see where they're coming from. If I get a second one, then I'll be a little firmer and a lot more of my mom will come out. (laughs) And if there's a third one, what happens? (laughs) Then my dad comes out. (laughs) But there have been many times, and usually I will try to educate in either of those cases. If it's ignorance, it's to try to have a one-on-one conversation with that person and say, I recognize where you're coming from, and I know you didn't mean it this way, but this is how it came across. And to try to give them my perspective. And I always try to tell them this is my perspective. I'm not speaking for a whole group, but this is how I interpreted what you said. On the arrogant side, sometimes that conversation is not as smooth, but still I will try 
when it's appropriate, one-on-one, but if necessary, in a group to say, that's not really appropriate. And I'll try to give a why it's not appropriate. Because sometimes people just don't know, or sometimes they don't care. But I'm at least going to try to give you my perspective on this. So you put context around it. So there's something for them to ground in, in terms of why this comment or why this behavior is not appropriate. Yes. Yes. What do you think? I'm going to stay with this a second because this is a juicy one. What do you think happens when women let that slide? Well, we hurt ourselves and we hurt the other person. You know, it's just another one of those where you internalize it and you do the, I wish I had, I wish I, you know, you, you replay it many, many, many times. And particularly for those, I still stick with the arrogant category. You know, if it's kind of like bullies as well, if you don't confront them, they just continue to do the same behavior. And either of those groups, the arrogance or the ignorance, you know, sometimes we have to be held accountable. Each of us needs to be held accountable for our words and our actions. And that includes us as professional women. Yes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I love what you've shared here. So if you want to be successful, you and I both know it's important to pay attention to how we show up in the world. And you recognized this early on, Pauline, and told me that you dressed for the job you wanted, not for the job you had. So what else did you do to make sure you showed up for success? You know, the simple things. Uh, I heard someone say once, if you're on time, you're late. So I try to always be there early. I try to do as much homework as I could. And as I started in all my professional jobs, my mantra is, I don't know what I don't know. So I would do research, try to find out as much information as I could and ask questions when it was appropriate and try to glean as much information as I could so I could be knowledgeable and share the appropriate information as I had my meetings, my any activity that I was involved with. Yeah, that's good. So it's just not one thing. It's a package of things that we need to pay attention to when we show up. Yes. So you are a breast cancer survivor, and this experience particularly impacted your awareness. So what was the biggest awareness lesson that you learned that others might want to be sensitive to? When you're dealt with that type of um, diagnosis, you have an inner awareness and an outer awareness. And the biggest thing when I was diagnosed was I knew I needed to live life to the fullest. One of the things as I was diagnosed, I did immediately prayerfully. I said, God, you've got this. So I knew that I would either be able to give a testimony or I would be on the other side and rejoicing with the saints. But as I went through that, it's a a different level of compassion and awareness, not only for myself, but to those around me, because people would look at me, have no idea what was going on and say, you look fine. And it made me realize that you never know the walk that someone else is going through. So I tried to have compassion when somebody might be a little upset or nasty in their comments with anything going on and to just try to remember that we all have other things going on that no one can necessarily see on the outside. And then just to give my best each and every day. As you grow and go through any job that you have, you want to be the best and you want to be successful. 
but a cancer diagnosis kind of gives you that other thought of, I have this day. So let me make the very best of this day and give my 110% to it. I think that's beautiful. Yeah, that's wonderful. And in what you just said, I think there's a real lesson for us as women leaders. You know, one of the things that as we work as women to change the direction of how the world is going and to change the narrative of how we show up as women leaders, our ability to have that personal grace and compassion is not a sign of weakness. It is truly our ultimate strength. And boy, for all of you listening, if you can step into that space that Pauline just described, you truly are stepping into a place of strength and boldness. Do you agree with that, Pauline? I do. I do. One of the things, um, as I was going through my treatments, I thought about having the big S on my chest and being superwoman. And I think most women are. They're the caregivers, the wives, the mothers, the nieces. They're their best friend, uh, the shoulder to cry on. But we all need to give ourselves a little bit of grace to heal ourselves as well. And in doing that, it actually makes you a better professional because you do, you have a little more sense of balance. Do you think, um, and we'll stay with that S for a second, because you and I, in our pre-interview, we talked about that quite a bit. And you shared with me that you think that women of color perhaps wear that S more often than other women. Tell me why you said that. What led to that perspective? I think. Um, not only because of society, but many times with our background and the way that we are raised and the situations that we're raised in, many times women of color have to be the strong anchor. They are the magnet for their community. And when I say community, I mean their home, their church, their family, their friends. And you're always giving. It's innate. I think. So you're always giving and you're always concerned about the other person. So you are not only then doing all the things that you would find yourself doing professionally in your church, in your community, in your family. It's constant. of color, and and women have this issue all the way around, but I see it even more so in women of color that I have had the pleasure of interviewing and being in the presence of as other leaders. They often are not comfortable with stepping out of that service role and moving into a position of power where they have major influence and are a decision maker. Somehow they don't realize that those two can be connected and should be connected because in positions of power, they can serve in greater ways. Did you feel that yourself or see that in other women of color in your community? Yes, to both. Absolutely. You, you've hit on it, Annette. You're absolutely right. Sometimes it's hard to flip that and move forward and to recognize that you have a different level of contribution that you get to make when you are successful and when you are in a position of leadership. And sometimes it is very hard to reverse that role and to change that mindset. Well, we need to do a lot of work there with the community of women in color, because if I look at the stats, 
as women move up the ranks, when they come into a career of what at corporate or even in their own businesses, they'll start out at pretty much the same space as white women and even as men. But as the years pass and they go up the ladder, the women of color fall off. They receive less promotions. They don't make as much money. And I have to wonder, is it they're not given the opportunities or is it part of it their own doing of not being able to step out of that role of service in their minds and how they show up? I'm curious from a woman that is a woman of color who has been in roles of influence, what do you think? I think you're right. I think it's a little bit of both. Of course, circumstances dictate part of that. But I think sometimes when you get to a certain level, you feel like you can breathe. As you reach a certain level of achievement, you can take that deep breath and savor the moment. Sometimes when you just get tired, uh, when the plate is that full, sometimes it's hard to give the energy and time to that particular lane in the highway. But that would definitely be worth looking into a little bit more because I think you're spot on. There's a lot more to that. Yeah, I think it's a little more complex than what we as society uh, often portrays it in the studies that they do. I think there's another layer that's missing. So we all need to have pity parties where we feel sorry for ourselves. And (laughs) you're laughing because we both have had them, I'm sure. So in your opinion, are these helpful or harmful? And what do your pity parties look like? I, I'm all about it's okay to have what amounts to the two-year-old tantrum, but as long as it's only that small amount of time. <laughs> it's when you wallow you in it for days up, when it's not healthy, right? <laughs> yes, that's when it is not a good thing. But if you do it for just a short period of time, and as long as then after you're through, that you can take that breath and recognize something good out of it. It's okay. You give yourself that grace that, okay, I really screwed that up or That wasn't the best way to handle it. I thought about it now. I would do this if I had my do-over and move on. Life is too precious. You know, and we as driven women have such high expectations of ourselves, Pauline. And so we don't allow ourselves to have those pity parties. I remember back when one of my companies that I have since sold, we went through a really hard time. And I feel like I made some really stupid decisions along the way. And my pity party was I came in and I would kick the crap out of a trash can. I had a trash can that was so dented up and I'd come in and and my husband would be wondering, what is she doing? And I'd be in there screaming and kicking that trash can. And that would go on for about five minutes. And then I'm like, yeah, I'm like, okay, that's out. I'm moving on now. So it it was probably healthy for me not to hold that in because I would have gotten crabby and maybe not showed up the right way. And I think that is a very very good gold nugget that you just said on not holding it in because I think we as women already internalize so much Mm. and we keep things internal and it's not healthy. It's not healthy physically or mentally. So we need to be able to have that trash can or that one person that you want to talk to or enough space outside that you can go out and scream and not scare the neighbors to where you can just release that because it does, it makes you feel better and you can move on then. I agree. And somehow we think we're weak if we do that. And in reality, I think we're being strong when we do that. I think that comes back to the superwoman thing. Mm -hmm. I think we innately, there are things that 
we have been designed for that give us strength. And it's society that has told us that's a weakness. Mm-hmm. And when and it's not. It's really not. And we have bought that hook, line, and sinker, haven't we? <laughs> yes, we have. <laughs> in fact, we even foster that misconception, you know, in the way we yes. behave and show up <laughs> and what we say to other women. Yes, we are not our best cheerleaders sometimes. No, we aren't. And we need to be. That is something I think we should always keep in the backs of our minds, particularly as you've changed levels. Because you know, when you've reached another level, you know the struggle you went through, you know some of the pitfalls that you had. So it's important that we just be a community and help each other, not harm each other. And so often we lash out and harm other women. I'd like to think it's not on purpose, but sometimes I think it is on purpose. I think, unfortunately, there's a mixed bag there. There are those that, for whatever reason, don't want to see someone else succeed or have their own insecurities inside. So it's easier to not be helpful. And then other times, I think it's just sometimes a lack of awareness. And when people do lash out to that, I don't know about you, but it hurts me sometimes. And then if I'm not careful, I get into that wallowing place where I'll toss it around in my head for days. Sometimes weeks, it'll pop back up. And I'm like, come on, girl, let it go. And there's where a community helps us to get perspective. And for another woman to say, for goodness sakes, girl, just let it go. Uh, Sometimes you do need to hear that from someone else Mm -hmm. because you'll let it go and then you take it back. And you let it go and you take it back. It's like, why, why am I doing a Groundhog Day on this? <laughs> I've been guilty of this. I certainly have. I bet you have too, Pauline. Yes, sir. Yes, yes indeed. <laughs> and when that happens, I'm like you. I, I actually find times that I laugh at myself because I'm like you said, it's like Groundhog Day. It's like I do the same. I let it go. And then I just as soon as I let it go, I grab it and take it back and wallow in it some more. The first couple of times I wallow and for whatever reason feels good to wallow. But then, you know, the third or fourth time it's like, really? Come on now. Let's get over this. So one last question. You retired early from the U.S. Department of Energy and you told me you felt immense guilt when you did this. Tell me about this guilt and how did you sort it out? So. When I took this early retirement, of course, I really took it to heal myself with the recent diagnosis of the cancer. I was just tired on a a lot of levels. So I knew I needed to do something for myself. But I felt so bad leaving behind the awesome people that I worked with. They were just a fantastic bunch of people. And I really did feel I was leaving them down by leaving and not being able to continue to support them and to see them through to the next level. So it was very, very hard to let that part go. But again, a little bit easier for me because I knew what I needed to do for myself and to help myself heal physically as well as mentally. So isn't it interesting how we women take on such a sense of responsibility in these leadership roles? You know, that is what makes us such incredible leaders and what the world needs now. But in that space, we do have to learn to take care of ourselves. Yes, there's all the talk of work-life balance. But I think for women, it's even more of the checks and balance 
when you are in a position and you are trying to help your people and be responsible and nurture and teach and mentor at the same time. Now, very good point. Pauline, is there anything about your journey to greatness that we haven't covered that you'd like to share with other women? I think the last thing I would say is just listen to yourself. Each of us knows ourselves better than anybody else. And that internal voice will always lead you in the right direction. It means listening to our bodies too, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Sometimes we wait too late before we do that. Pauline, you have been an incredible guest. You have shared so many nuggets of wisdom from the path you have walked. I appreciate you being open and forthright with your comments and with your journey. I just thank you again from the bottom of my heart. Annette, thank you so much. You are just awesome. And I so appreciate the opportunity to talk to you and having met you. I just thank you for everything. And Pauline is another great example of how women are challenging the norm, making things happen, and demanding their own greatness. So join me next time on the World's Greatest Women Show as another powerful woman's story unfolds. 